0: Hi church, so we're really excited we're going to carry on with our Ancient Ways series this morning. so good that you're with us. So today we are going to be looking at the whole topic of Sabbath rest. Now over the last few weeks we've looked at communion, we've looked at prayer, we've looked at fasting. And last week was Pentecost Sunday and so we looked at the necessity of the Spirit equipping us for God's purposes in the earth, particularly in our witnessing verbally to people but also through power through signs and wonders and so this week as we start looking at Sabbath rest much like on other weeks We're going to start with a video from the Bible project which basically shows us theologically the whole principle of the Sabbath
1: The number seven is a big deal in the Bible.
2: Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of
1: fullness or completeness. And that is something we all long for, but do not often experience. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest. Yes.
2: Now, keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish.
1: And This happens over the course of six days.
2: Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. and That phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it does not appear on day seven. It is like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures,
1: including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that.
2: But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They are exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So, he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest
1: so they can share it with others. But how? They are in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who is grinding them into the dust. So, God confronts
2: Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the Promised Land.
1: Now, while they are on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness. It is easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They are not in the
2: land of rest yet. But while they are on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they are in the promised land.
1: But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their
2: work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So,
1: take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come.
2: Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there is more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there is even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then, every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it is all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their
1: God and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They are exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the
2: ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come. But generations go by and they are
1: still waiting. It is at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches his public mission on a Sabbath day.
2: Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the
1: year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate Jubilee. Also ah, so Jesus is claiming that seventh-day rest would come
2: through him. Right. He said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation,
1: where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection, we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we are not there yet. It is like we are still in the wilderness where we experience struggle and pain.
2: But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him or in his words, Come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest.
0: Our modern society is marked by a real condition that i think you'll be aware of as soon as i mention some of these words burnout anxiety worry stress you don't need to look very far before you see these words and these terms everywhere you go whether it be in conversations with friends or family or work colleagues or whether it be in the news A 2020 study in the UK of people in the workplace stated that a staggering 79% of workers in the UK said that they commonly experience work-related stress. That is huge. A recent survey of doctors in the UK serving during the COVID-19 crisis revealed that one third of doctors are suffering clinical burnout. And of course, they would love to stop, they would love to recover, they would love to rest, but they can't because people's very lives are at stake. The rock band Bon Jovi.
1: They
0: sang this famously in their song, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Seven days of Saturday is all that I need. Got no use for Sunday because I don't rest in peace. Don't need no Mondays or the rest of the week. I'll live while I'm alive and I'll sleep when I'm dead. Friends, hard work, doing the hustle, that we're time poor. These are all part of this condition that we have, this aversion to rest. Now, as we consider Sabbath rest, what we're going to do is we're going to look at a handful of images from the Bible. We're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to pick a few different ones through to Revelation. And what we're going to do, we're going to let each of these images speak to us about the journey of Sabbath rest. So image number one is of the garden. I'll paraphrase from Genesis 1. We see God creating the earth, the heavens, all the creatures that live in it, and then ultimately making mankind. And what we see is over the first six days, God creates and he appreciates. It says that he creates the heavens and the earth and then he sees that it's good. He creates the land and the sea, he sees that it's good. He creates the things that crawl on the ground and fly in the air and he sees that they're good. But he does that kind of at the end of each day. And it says that on the seventh day, God completed his creation. And his relationship to what he created changed in that rather than create, he appreciates. And so what I might mean by this is that God downs tools. God downs tools on the seventh day. He's now actually entering into that creation and appreciating it for what it is. Now, God isn't downing tools because he's tired or he needs a rest. Intentionally, he is appreciating rather than creating. This is the whole point of the garden, it says that God created man, he created Adam, and then Adam's job was to tend the garden, and look after it, and to name the beasts, and then it says that God saw that Adam was lonely, and so he plucked out a rib, and he created Eve, we see that I think in Genesis 2, do I imagine that they're walking along, enjoying a conversation with God, appreciating the things that they've named, the things that they've tended, and God says, yeah, that's great, isn't that amazing? god is, has entered into his creation to appreciate after the six days god is done with creating he stops creating and he appreciates all that is made and so the sabbath it's not just a day it's a permanent ongoing state of being that god wanted to enjoy his creation that he created with men and women without any sin now my wife natalie during lockdown has been absolutely amazing in the garden she's been slaving away twilling away she's been pulling up weeds and cutting out vines and all sorts of things me and the boys have helped to repair the shed natalie's painted the whole fence and the shed and the garden looks absolutely amazing but natalie has really toiled but there are these moments now where natalie sits in the garden with a cup of tea in her chair at the end of the garden where the sun comes over and rather than creates which is what she's been doing so far she appreciates. So this first image of the garden is about creating and appreciating and sabbath rest is about the appreciation of all that has been created. Mankind appreciating with God his creation. The second image is in Genesis 3 and it's the curse. Now if you're aware of the story of the Garden of Eden, God had created this beautiful garden. Adam and Eve are living in it in harmony with God. And God says there's a tree that you're not to eat the fruit of. And then the snake, the serpent, representative of the devil, comes and casts doubt in their mind and says, did God really say that? The reason God said that is he doesn't want you to be like him. He's trying to keep things back from you. He wants you to be less than you are meant to be. So Adam and Eve eat the fruit. And God comes to them in the cool of the night and already we see that the relationship is disrupted and God says to them in Genesis 3 verse 16 to Eve he says I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing in pain you shall bring forth children your desire shall be contrary to your husband but he shall rule over you so this reveals to us that the relationship between Adam and Eve between man and woman has got a big Fracture in it that men and women aren't going to be on the same page We think so differently that there's going to be differences of opinion But that men want to dominate and rule over women all of these things are symptoms of our brokenness of our Of our striving to rule over one another and having difference of opinion and in verse 17 God says to Adam because you've listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat of it Cursed is the ground because of you. And so we see here God saying, you've listened to Eve rather than me. I gave you an instruction and you've obeyed Eve and you've disregarded me. That's the height of idolatry to disregard God for another. And Adam has effectively made Eve his God, the one that God had provided to Adam, has all of a sudden become the pinnacle of his worship. The result of this sin, this turning away from God, actually brings disruption to the earth. That we now live in a broken world. The garden is broken, it's disrupted. And this is what this disruption looks like. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. And so the garden that was meant to be a place of provision and care and enjoyment all of a sudden has become a burden. It's hard to work. It's a striving thing. We're going to have sweat on our brow. We're going to be fed up with working it. It's hard to work. It's not going to provide for us in the same way because it's broken. The place of Sabbath rest, this beautiful garden has been disrupted by the sin of our forefathers, by Adam and Eve, and we live in their line, and we have inherited this brokenness in our relationship with God, in our relationship with one another, and our relationship to the world. We see that the relationship with God is is broken, we see that the relationship with one another is now broken and we see the relationship with the world is now broken and that we're going to return it to the ground because we're made of dust and we're going to return to dust, death has now entered in and so sabbath rest has been in this moment it's cursed there is a curse that has come upon mankind but the beautiful thing is in chapter 3 verse 15 we see the doorway out of this brokenness there's this promise god says i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his Hill. And so this is the what they call the Proto-Evangelion. That sounds like a big word, but this is basically the first prophetic image of Jesus. He is the one who will stamp on the head of the snake. He will crush sin and sickness and death through the cross. This is what this is speaking about, is that the woman will give birth to a son and he will be at odds with the devil and he will crush him. He will literally stamp on his head and show him up to be the liar and the deceiver that he is friends that is incredibly good news the third image is of a covenant if you turn with me to exodus 20 verse 8 we'll read on from there remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work you or your son or your daughter your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner or traveler who is within your gates. So no one in or around your household or your business is to do any work. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so we see here God reminding the Israelites through Moses, Moses has gone up Mount Sinai And has encountered God and God is now giving him the Ten Commandments and so this is the fourth commandment that God gives to the Israelite people God is giving them a covenant he is making a promise to them through Moses the leader of the Israelites and he's saying guys I want to give you some things that are going to set you apart so that you as the nation of Israel can live differently to the rest of the world they're wandering in the desert They're not enjoying their Sabbath rest. They're actually on their way to the promised land, which is also an image of Sabbath rest. They're wandering around. They're literally like hand to mouth. They're eating manna in the desert. They've not entered their Sabbath rest. They've been in slavery. There's all these images that we we see, and it's about the disruption of Sabbath rest. But here in the fourth commandment, we can see that God is reminding them of what happened before God is reminding them that over six days he created. And on the seventh day, he rested and he appreciated. God rested not because he was tired. God is omnipotent. He is all powerful. But God rested to appreciate what he has created. So he creates and he appreciates. And he's saying, you guys, Israelites, you're to do the same. This is a holy day. It's a holiday. It's a break. It's different. Your relationship to the rest of the week on this special day, on this Sabbath day, is to look visibly different than the other six days of the week. That's why we call it a holiday. It's a holy day. It's a day that's set apart to be different than the rest of the week. And it says at the end of that verse, in Exodus 20, right at the end, verse 11, it says that the Lord blessed the Sabbath. And he made it a holy day. It's a different day. It's a set apart day. It's a day that is blessed and anointed by God. And so if we enter into the Sabbath, this day that God has promised us a covenant, he's saying, guys, I want you to participate in this because it's a blessed day. As you enter into Sabbath rest, just like God did right there, right at the beginning in creation, it will do you good. And guys, Israelites, you've neglected it. You've forgotten it. You've lost sight of it. And I'm giving it back to you. This is the beginning of God kind of giving the Israelites, giving mankind, the Israelites, an image of Jesus, giving us back our Sabbath rest so that we can enjoy him, that we can enjoy his creation. God's trying to draw us back into relationship with him. What a beautiful picture. The next image is of the promise. And so we're going to turn to Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14. And it says this, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, From doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honourable, if you honour it, not going your own way, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken and so just very quickly this basically reiterates the covenant and it's basically an invitation to anyone who will turn away from the normal humdrum during the week and set apart a day i would define that as a 24-hour period within a seven day week that looks radically different and not to do your own thing not to talk idly it says here but actually to enjoy relationship god that god will bless that and he will reward that both in you in your spirit but also in the world around you will create favor and opportunity for you that is a beautiful and an interesting proposition and so what we're going to do now i've invited four friends from our relational mission community across west kent they're all involved in church leadership and eldership to talk about very briefly how they enjoy sabbath rest
3: hi gordon and friends i think for me and Trish, I'm David, by the way, from Trambridge Wells. Uh, for me and Trish, I think our, our favourite thing is to get out into God's creation, get away from all the concrete, all the stuff that reminds us of, of daily pressures and stresses, and just to breathe the air that God has made. Hey Gordon, good morning from the Medway. In answer to your question about Sabbath rest, for me, I try to not keep it religious, but usually start early on a Sunday, have a great dog walk, and then try and spend some time with Jesus trying to prepare for that morning morning service a little bit different at the moment but and then the rest of the day really i I try to have fellowship with church friends family um try to avoid again not being religious but try to avoid going shopping or doing jobs or things like that and just try to have a peaceful relaxing great day and and it works for me and i believe that's okay with god bye-bye Hi everyone, it's Steve from New Life Church, Tunburys Wells. Uh, Some of the things that I uh, love to do is be able to get out into nature, have a good walk, uh, preferably with my wife or with the kids in the summer like Benchbury. So anywhere that's got trees, uh, greenery, just go and uh, be refreshed outside. Uh, I also love to cook for my family. I do make a terrible mess in the kitchen, but I do believe it tastes good. Uh, I find that relaxing, love doing it. Hi Hope Church Sitting Bourne, great to talk to you. Adam here from Medway talking to you about Sabbath rest. For me, Sabbath rest is about stopping. Stopping and completely changing the routine. I think it takes faith to stop just as much as it does to start. So Sabbath is designed for us to disrupt our normal routine, otherwise we are in danger of going round and round and round, working the same routines and rhythms, checking our email, connected in online in all kinds of ways. So Sabbath is about having a time, a day, half a day, a few blocks a week where we stop and we reflect and we review what we have done in the previous week. And so for me, Sabbath is a time where I don't check work emails. It's a time where I don't do my normal kinds of work at all. I literally uh, don't engage with it. So on a Monday, it usually is for myself and my wife. I will spend time with the family. I will go for a swim. I will walk with Susie. We will go out maybe on some trips. Um, I will rest in that way and I will reduce screen time drastically so i encourage you find sabbath god gave sabbath to us as a gift and it's something that we need faith to take hold of he said stop he said reflect he said rest he said review so that like god we can look at what we've done and say yeah that's good praise god have a good week hope to see you soon the penultimate
0: concept we're now going to explore is that of the principle There's this beautiful story in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the same story, and it's of Jesus and the disciples on a Sabbath day going through the harvest fields, and they're picking grain, and they're rubbing it between their hands, and they're eating it. And the Pharisees approach Jesus, and they say, what are you doing? You should know better. You're not allowed to do this on this day. It's unlawful. And Jesus says to the Pharisees, do you not remember the story of King David? He ate the bread, the special bread of the presence, that he wasn't allowed to eat, and he shared it with his other followers jesus in this moment he is explaining that this isn't about the law the the sabbath isn't about a law but it's about a principle in the gospel of luke in chapter 6 and the next Paragraph it says that Jesus then went on and met a man with a withered hand and the Pharisees said Is it lawful to heal this man on a Sabbath and Jesus goes ahead and he heals him proving that the Sabbath is a principle? It's not a law the Sabbath was made for man man not made for the Sabbath and Jesus says I am the Lord of The Sabbath and so Jesus is declaring I get the Sabbath more than anyone because I am Sabbath rest And so we reach the final image. Well done, friends, for hanging in this far. This image is of the fulfilment. In Revelation 20, we see the new heaven and the new earth. There is no weeping. There are no tears. There is no death, no sickness. We are made one with God and the devil and his schemes are no more. He has been thrown into the fiery pit and all that remains is this new creation all sin has been wiped away and we enjoy Jesus as he truly is as the risen king over all creation and we worship him with a multitude of millions and millions upon millions of angels friends this is a beautiful image it says in revelation chapter 22 that all effects of the curse have been broken and so that curse that came in at the garden is no more we are able again to enter into sabbath rest and this is a sabbath rest much like it was meant to last in the garden that will last for all eternity and so friends that is the trajectory of sabbath rest from genesis to revelation and we're not quite at the end yet and so we're moving towards that and so i just really want to encourage you how are you going to enter in to your sabbath rest We're now gonna hand over back to me and Natalie and we'll just have a quick little conversation around that, well done guys.